0: hope you all doing well? What a sweet time of worship! Thanks, Keenan and worship team. Uh, that was beautiful. Yeah, Lord, there's nothing like worshiping you. Maybe just for a brief moment, I just want you to close your eyes with me. I want you to imagine what heaven will be like, just for a moment. Imagine, imagine the worship in heaven. Imagine, imagine seeing Jesus. Imagine being captivated by Jesus. Imagine being being captivated by Jesus, worshiping Jesus and no distractions, no no stuff, no clutter. Just pure worship. Just pure adoration, just pure pouring out of your heart. Just actually that's that's what you were made for. Just imagine that. Just imagine, imagine the condition of your soul in worshiping Jesus in heaven. No depression. No anxiety. No burnout. No tiredness. No stress. Just imagine that. Imagine what... Just the joy of your heart in in that pure worshiping Jesus in heaven. No sin. No, no wondering whether whether you can come into the... No, no, no. You, you are in the presence of God. That's what heaven will be like. Now I want you to just for a brief moment think of the things that is currently in your life right now. That you can 't take to heaven your stuff, your cars, your possessions, the things that that we get so caught up in, and we can 't take them with and those these are the things that actually that burn us out, that make us tired, that causes us to stress, and I feel like God wants to remind us tonight that 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 he is the one that gives us rest. He is the one that, that, that brings peace into our hearts. He is the one who, who he, he is our source of joy. And our lives, this side of eternity, won't be problem free. They won't be stress free. But I feel like God, I feel like God wants, to, God wants to remind us to not cling so much to the things that actually won't go to heaven. Money, possessions, career. Jesus, just right now I pray. I pray, Lord, this evening, even as I preach, Lord, I pray for your presence, Lord. Because we were made for your presence, Lord. We were not made for this world. We were not made for the things of this world. We were made for you, God. We were made to, to be in fellowship with you. We, we were made to be in harmony, in unity with you. Lord, I, I pray tonight where, where there's things in our lives and in our hearts that, that cause us a separation between us and you, Lord, that those things tonight would be washed away, that we would repent and let go of those things. I pray, Lord, where, where there's sin in our lives, unrepentant sin, that tonight, Lord, we would, we would repent of our sins. And I want to I wanna probably make a suggestion that tonight, if you were struggling in worship to connect with Jesus, the problem is not with God. And I know sometimes we go through seasons where God teaches us to worship by faith. In other words, God, we, we, we worship God uh, not based on feeling anything or something, but we worship because He is worthy. But if that is your only experience of worship, there's a problem because God actually wants us to experience Him and to enjoy Him. The Bible does say, taste and see that God is good. And the sin and those type of things keeps us away from the presence of God. It keeps us away from worshiping Jesus in adoration. So, Lord, I pray tonight that you, even pride, where there's pride in our hearts, Lord. that Where we, where we just, like, refuse to do it your way, I'm going to do it my way. No, Jesus, I pray. I pray that you would soften our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I just... My prayer took five minutes of my preach. So, <laughs> I want to talk to you about. Let's just see if my thingy magic works. Uh, let's just see. Yes, it does. So, I thought it was appropriate uh, to talk uh, tonight. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit sick. So, um, I'm not feeling too bad. But that's just what happens when you've got a, a daughter that's sick, and then your wife gets sick, and then you get sick. Uh, and that's just how it goes. So so I think I'm now the worst off in our house, uh, but I'm actually not feeling, it just sounds maybe worse than what it actually is, so I'm not feeling too bad. Uh, so, But tonight, I want to share with you on, I want to talk about, uh, about. I've called my preach holy days, in in, in hope that... The, that the title will just make it stick, uh, but actually, I want to talk about rest. I want to talk about what, the, how the Bible actually speaks about rest, and I thought it's appropriate. Can you believe it? It's the first of December. That's crazy. That is just that is Uh But it's a reality, and I know not everyone has as off. Not everyone is off in December, but I. This is re- applicable not just for December holidays, but just for, for rest in general. Um, and I'm hoping, yeah, most of most people that I know of, uh, not everyone, but most people, have a season or a time, a week or two weeks during this next month and a half, where you will be switching off. And, and for some people that even go to work, uh, e- maybe even it's already quieter at work during this next month. Uh, So I want to talk about rest, and I want to start by saying that rest is from God. And I want to read you Genesis 2, uh, Genesis 2 verse 2 to 3. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done, in creation, I want to mention three things from that scripture. Number one, God chose to rest. He didn't need rest. He chose to rest. God ordained rest as a something that is holy. That's the second thing. Rest is holy because God ordained rest. God is the one that's, that took the first step when it comes to rest that says, "This is a good thing is rest. And the third thing I want you to see from that scripture is, or maybe not, it's not that evident in the scripture, but in the context of where it is in the Bible, this passage of scripture is before the fall of man. In other words, this passage of scripture is before sin has entered into the world. So rest was introduced by God before sin came into the world. Amen? Alistair, I see you nodding. Thank you, my brother. (laughs) Because that's a good word. Rest is from God. It's ordained by God. And it comes by God before sin comes into the world. We don't need rest because of sin. We don't need rest because this world uh, makes us tired. We don't need rest because uh, we are over... We need rest because God ordained rest. Amen. The second thing I want to talk about rest is and maybe a, maybe a misconception or a misunderstanding is that rest is active. Rest is active, not passive. Hebrews 4 verse 4 for verse 9 to 11. So then there remains a sabbath rest for the people of God. That's important. Because as we are going into December, many people, many people who are not Christians, many people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe in God, who's not part of a church, they will be going on holiday and they will also be resting. So it's important tonight, and that's the one thing I hope to do, is to distinguish that a Christian perspective on, on rest is radically different from the world's view on rest. Because there's a rest for the people of God. That I know that's, this sounds maybe bad, but that's kind of inclusive. Or exclusive, sorry. In other words, there's a rest reserved for a group of people called the people of god the people of god are the children of god if you are here tonight and you've given your life to god you fall into that category of the people of god if you are here tonight and you do not have a relationship with jesus that rest is not for you you maybe want it but until you become part of the people of god that rest is unavailable Does that make sense? Verse 10, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may uh, fall by the same sort of disobedience. I want you to notice the word strive. En my, May, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I, I thought of this at the very moment. I, uh, Corbus, Nigel, and Johan, kan jylle gau, kan jylle go, uh kom nog iemand, Wian. Can Kan jylle vier gau vir my, a meer maak, kan jylle gau inhak? Samuel, jy is lekker nabij. So, yes, jylle met so'n bieke spaasie maak, so, ja, net so, so. Samuel, strive to enter the rest. The rest is on the other side of the wall. You can't go around it, but you need to go get through it. Thank you, thank you. Give them a hand, give them a hand. He wasn't desperate enough, but I wanted. That's that's the picture of striving to enter into rest. Rest is not passive; it's active. In other words, when you go on holiday, Netflix isn't going to bring you closer to God. It's not wrong. Well, depends. (laughs) It depends on what you watch. Sitting every day by the beach, that's great, but sitting every day by the beach beach, next to the bridge (laughs) is not going to bring you closer to God. So if you want to access God's rest, sitting back isn't going to bring you into that rest. The Bible says strive to enter that rest. It's going to actually take you an effort to get to a place where you can actually rest. You see, I remember, in my, I remember over my years, especially during TMT, for those that have been in TMT, uh, it's the Bible school. When I was in TMT in Bible school, we went on outreach. Now, outreach, like we did for this past weekend in Bloomfontein, which was an amazing, by the way. Uh, But when you go on outreach, you are busy, busy, busy. You are sharing, 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 giving, giving, giving. And then you get back home and TMD, they are gracious and they say, Guys, you've got two days off. And then two days later when we return... They've got to bring us all back to God again because for two days we thought that we would get closer to God by just doing nothing. But rest is not found in doing nothing. Rest is found in, uh, in getting to God. So If you are here tonight and this year has made you tired, this year has made you uh, like burned out, this year you feel like... Phew. Thank goodness it's December. But let me tell you, December is not your salvation. <laughs> let me remind you that actually 2020, you will start next year how you end this year. So if you decide this ho- this December to not spend time with Jesus, I'm just, I've, I've done, I've served at church. I've given my all. I've been faithful. So december for two weeks i'm just gonna sit back i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the beach i'm gonna i'm gonna surf i'm gonna run i'm gonna whatever the stuff is that you enjoy doing let me tell you that's not going to bring you closer to god now god might use that to speak to you but unless you put yourself aside and say god i'm gonna strive to enter your rest if you're not gonna do that you're not gonna find god's rest matthew 11 to uh further the point of that rest is not passive Jesus says come to me come to me that is a action come to me no God I'm just gonna sit here and wait for you no Jesus says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest there is a rest that is only accessed in Jesus so, in other words, and I love that someone asked a question. I don't know who. I wanna. I've tried Google, googling it the other day, and, and it makes me think of this. At the end of every day, ask yourself this question. I don't know. This is kind of random, but this is a freebie. At the end of your day, right before you go to bed, ask yourself, "What did I do today that made me a Christian?" Or, "What did I do today that only Christians do?" That's a scary question. Because if you didn't pray, because only Christians pray, or well, there's other religions as well. Read your Bible, loving people selflessly. Anyway, that's kind of not on the the point. There's a a rest that is only found in Jesus. In other words, that all the other people that are going to Hartemboe's, my favorite holiday location. I love Hartemboe's confession time uh you know why i love it it's because there's this feeling of everyone is on holiday <laughs> anyway kind of <laughs> uh the whole bloom goes there uh, anyway so but all those people and uh, and uh, those that are those who don't have a relationship with god and all along the coast people will go they're camping and they having skis they're having uh they, they're switching off and they're resting. This is not what Jesus is saying. Going to the sea and just sitting and doing nothing is not the rest that God has for you. The rest that God has for you, I want to suggest to you tonight, is much deeper than just going away for two weeks or three weeks. He says, take my yoke upon you. Again, there's an action. And learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to suggest to you that when the Bible speaks of rest, when we speak about rest from a Christian perspective, we are not speaking about a day in the week. We are not speaking about a holiday once every six months or once every year. When we're talking about rest, we are talking about a man or a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And he will give you rest for your soul. That doesn't mean that going to Hartembos is wrong. It just means that you've got to get the order right. It means that you've got to find Jesus first. And maybe the change of scenery is actually something that helps you for, to, to find Jesus in a different way. But Jesus says, come to me, all who... If you've had a tough year, this is, this is a verse for you tonight. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me and I will give you rest. And I think, I just, in the beginning of this message, I said, imagine heaven. But heaven will be the ultimate... Expression of rest. But don't think... Really enjoy distraction. The problem is that we actually find ourselves in a way addicted to being distracted. And when I mean distracted, I don't mean like, uh, like having a conversation and then suddenly a bird f- uh, flies by and you distract. I mean, distraction... Uh, here's my definition of the distraction. It's something that diverts our hearts and minds from that which is most significant, and I find having a a wife and a daughter now, with, uh, especially with our daughter, is this this. Uh, I get messages on my phone, and sometimes, and and to be honest, I can reply ten minutes later. That's not, but sometimes I find myself. Is is the message really that significant that I now choose to turn away from spending uh, quality time with my daughter to turning to this message that I could have responded in 10 minutes from now? That's just to give you a basic example. But when we talk about our, our hearts and our minds diverting from that which is most significant, we are talking here tonight about Jesus. And there's, there's things in our lives... That turns us away from Jesus. Just a couple of interesting stats. We are... you, Including you, unless you switch off your phone... you. We are never offline. And that's a problem, I think. Not... Just not... Yeah, anyway. It is estimated that at, on average... That you look at your cell phone... Four point, every 4.3 minutes in every day. Average. In 2015... Um, in 2015, uh, 8,000 Christians who uh, de, you know the website Desiring God. I think most many people know about it. Very cool website. Desiring 8,000 Christians completed a survey for Desiring God. 73% of the 8,000 Christians admitted that before they spend time with God in the morning, they check their mails and their messages. 73%. And we are speaking about Christians that are that are taking extra time to read a Christian blog. <laughs> I suggest that's in the upper class Christian. <laughs> I'm just joking. The, so for me, the ultimate or the scripture that, that that jumps to my mind when we speak about distractions is Matthew thirteen, twenty-two, the parable of the sower. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches stroke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The thing about a distraction uh, that makes it different from sin is sin is obvious. Maybe not while committing the sin, otherwise you would never have committed any sin but as soon as you commit sin and it's obvious that it's sin right after the moment where you do it you feel bad or you feel guilty and you're like oh shabba the peace of god is gone and you you realize you've just sinned and what you do you repent you turn back to jesus and god forgives you and you move on but what makes a distraction different from sin is you don't realize it coming into your life and you don't realize how it changes your direction. So Hebrews 12 verse 1, I want you to see this, maybe you've never seen this in the Bible. Hebrews 12 verse 1, therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside, listen to this, every weight and sin. It's not weight or sin, it's weight and and sin. In other words, there are things in our, in our lives that's obvious. It's sin. It's wrong. It takes you away from God. But there are weights, things less obvious that comes onto your life and it slows you down in the purposes of God. It's slow. It makes you tired. It makes you not want to live for the glory of God. It makes you want to, like, I I can't do this. It's too exhausting, this church thing. Like, the the leaders, they are expecting too much of me. You must watch out. It's not just sin that brings you down. There are weights, things that are not obvious, that come from the side. That attach themselves to you. And their purpose is not... They, they, they don't want you to discover that they are there. That's why it's called a distraction. And wait. It, it, you, you, maybe like after like a long time you realize, where, where the heck am I going with my life? Why am I not so passionate about the purposes of God? And only later you realize, oh my goodness... This actually happened a long time ago, but slowly I've been infected by a poison. Slowly a weight has come upon me and I'm tired now. I don't want to live for God. I don't want to run for God. I don't want to be, I'm not interested in the things of God. I'll go to church, but that's about it. Leave me alone. I want to suggest that that's, that's what happens when the weight comes upon you. And the weight that I think this is, is the cares of the world, is the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches. John Piper, I, I want to read you a quote that I, I but I want to apply the quote to a, a, a wider range of things. Um, there it is. One of the great users of Twitter and Facebook will, and I want to put in there Instagram, put in there, uh, put in there anything that you give your time to, a lot of time to. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. You see, a lot of people, I'm a pastor, so I get to spend time with people. And one of the big things that people say to me is, like Christopher, my life is busy. I don't have time to get into God. I don't have time to just to read the word. I don't have time to study the word. I don't have time to pray. What else in your life is there that you are giving your time to that you are saying no to time with Jesus? Because on the last day when you stand face to face with Jesus, you are going to wish that you had not given so much of your life to some things. And those, some of those things are not bad things, like Leslie said earlier. It's good things. But when a good thing replaces God... It becomes idolatry. It becomes sin. It becomes weight. It slows you down in the purposes of God. So I want to. So how can we turn our holiday into a holy day? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm going to give you five points, and I want to make it practical. Now, first of all, if the difference between holidays and holy days is an is an I and a Y. So I want to just the first freebie tip out there. It just works out. Uh, uh, when you focus on yourself, you'll have a holiday. But when you turn your focus to Jesus, you'll have some holy days. Amen. That was good. Oh, I, I thought of it. <laughs> so five points. I'm going to just go through them. Number one. If you are having a holiday, and there's some extra um, public holidays. So even if you are not going on holiday or things at the office are more quiet, try and set time apart. Why do you want to set time apart? Because I, not me, the Bible actually says that God has lots to say to you. God has lots to say to you, but he can't say anything to you if you are not setting yourself apart to say, God, speak to me. We are now at the end of uh, a year and going into a new year. Whoever you hear, believe me when I say to you that God has got good things for you for next year. Only half of you. Okay, that's better. But let me tell you, those things are not going to fall out of the air. You need, to, you need to go to God. God, what is it that you have for me for next year? Psalm 139, verse 17 to 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, David writes. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. So the Bible teaches, and this is one of my favorite things I love to tell people, is when people doubt that God has plans for your life, God says that he sought for you alone as one individual, is more than the sand of the sea. So maybe this holiday, get in your car, drive to your nearest beach, and maybe just scoop a hand of sand and start counting. And then when you give up, or you lose count, or you, you, you don't have the patience to do this, then you say, thank you, Jesus, that your plans for my life is more than I can count. Maybe you need to do that just as a reminder that God, actually, God has a lot of stuff to say to you. But you've got to set yourself apart. You've got to spend time with Jesus. The second thing I want, I want to encourage you to do this holiday is to devour the word of God. I remember we had a fast. It was in Nikas, Rhyme, But we as a church, we fasted in August. And I will never forget, where's Anton DeVette? There he is. I will never, uh, thank you for that moment, Anton. I will never forget it. Uh, we, were, uh, we were breaking our fast as a congregation at, after the gathering at Tiger Valley. I was standing in Burger King, and Anton came into it, and, and he didn't care who was there, who wasn't there. He just said to the lady uh, in a quite stern voice, not an aggressive voice, but just a stern voice, he said, Can I please get the biggest burger on the menu? And that's the picture. I think some of us actually, when it comes to the word of God, we've been fasting this whole year. And I want to tell you, it's time to break your fast. It's time to dig into God's word. Psalm 119 verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119 131 says, I open my mouth and panned because I long for your commandments. It's time to break the fast. It's time this holiday to get into God's word. No one that has dig into God's word. I've, I've not seen anyone uh, walk away badly. So number three, prayer. I love this. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But listen to what David does. But Dave, it, doesn't say, it doesn't say outrightly he prayed, but I bet you he did. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. If I read through the Psalms, it is evident that David was a man of prayer. He, David was honest with God. I love it. You read in the Psalms, you read an honest man but at some point in every psalm, you read how, how he turns from self-pity to worship and to pray. God, I long for your soul. God, when will you answer my prayer? You see, I love what David does. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then I want to read you Luke 5 verse 16 later. Jesus would withdrew to desolate places to pray. And I want to suggest you Jesus had perfect connection with the Father. Jesus didn't need to actually set himself apart to hear God. He set himself apart because he wanted to speak to God. He wanted to have a relationship with, with his Father. I want to I wanna suggest to you that if we want to hear God more clearly, and if we want to strengthen ourselves in God, we need to, at times, this coming holiday, we need to uh, go to desolate places and just pray. I want to read you a quote about prayer. This might shake you in your boots. It did for me. Leonard Ravenhill said the following. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor, that's now me, and this makes me shake. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Prayer is a non-negotiable. If you want to speak to God, if you want to grow in God, prayer, You need, you need to somehow find a place where prayer becomes a non-negotiable in your life. And there's no better time than a holiday season to do that. If you don't have holiday season, I don't know, get up earlier or I don't know. Make a plan. Pray. You need it. God doesn't need you to pray. God needs you to pray for you. I don't know if that's right. I'll listen to it again. (laughs) Just came out of my mouth. Let me think about it. Prayer is good for you. (laughs) Anyway and then two last things i want to say is our, our communion the bible says as often as we come together break bread the early church they broke bread daily i'm not going to go into the scriptures in it because i, I don't want just practical it's easy most of us have got some form of juice in our house some form of bread or biscuit or tennis biscuit whatever if you've got a if you gather with believers break bread Pray. Say, thank you, Jesus, for this day. And, and worship a little bit or whatever. Don't just, don't just social because the rest of the world just social. But if you're a Christian and you want to find God's rest, I suggest you break bread when you gather with fellow believers. And then lastly, and I think it's a tragedy that, that this is, a, this is a, a discipline that is fading, is the discipline of reading books. It's a, I think it's a tragedy. Maybe you disagree with me. But of every great man that I've admired in the faith, every single one of them, they were also readers. And there's a saying that goes, leaders are readers. But that's not the point. The point is, books written by men who love God encourage. And there's something, yeah. God chose to give us his word in a book format. And I believe there are many great resources for us. So if you don't know what book to read, ask your community leader, ask me, or ask someone that maybe. But yeah, just make sure that you. There's a lot of bad stuff out there, but there's also a lot of good stuff. I've got a book rack full of books that I, I, I. I'm waiting for people to line up. What book can I read, Christopher? Do you have something to get? And I've got a book for you for this holiday. <laughs> But I think there's something precious in reading on other people's ju- their journey with God. And the th- things they went through, how they struggled with prayer, how they struggled with whatever. There's value. And, and maybe you don't have time in the year. Take this holiday and dig into a book. But you might be saying, Christopher, I don't like reading. Well, I'm sorry that the Bible is given in, to us in a book format. You kind of don't have a choice. You need to like reading because the Bible is in a book format. Uh, and if you don't struggle, there's audio books and stuff. But, yeah, get into a book. Uh, it's not a must. And there's actually one scripture in the Bible that actually says, where Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says to Timothy, please bring my books. So, and, and, and they didn't have the Bible. So Paul valued books, so I value books, so, and that's it. <laughs> that settles it. Five things I encourage you to do this holiday to draw near to God. Number one is to set time apart, and I, when I mean set time, I hope you notice that setting time apart is different from reading the Bible and it's different from praying. Set time apart to just be with God. Then you can pray. Then you can read. Two is read, devour the Word. Three, spend, uh, pray, uh, uh, go to desolate places to pray. Number four. Take communion, number five. It's not a must, but it's just a highly recommended. Read a book. Uh, it will it will bless your soul uh, if you read a, the right book. Amen? Is that helpful? So we're not just Christians. Don't go on holidays. We go on holy days. Amen? Lord Jesus, let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, Kenan, maybe we can end in a song. Amen? Um, I'd like us to just end in that, bit that one day in your courts is better than that. Lord, that's the truth. That's the truth. And I want to just make a brief moment and take a brief, a brief. Uh, I, maybe we've got a visitor here or someone that is, uh, I just want to make sure everyone gets an opportunity. But, but we spoke about heaven being the place of rest. Heaven is that place where there will be no agony, no tears. But only people who know Jesus in a personal relationship way, uh, who has put their faith in Him, who has acknowledged Him in front of people, will actually go to heaven. The thing where people die and they don't know Jesus and everyone says, oh, don't worry, they're in a better place. Those people have no idea what they are talking about. Only people who know Jesus are going to heaven. And maybe tonight, just maybe you are here tonight and you do not know Jesus. You do not have a relationship with Him. You're not sure and certain that you will be going to heaven when when your time comes. And that can be today, tomorrow, next week, 30 years from now, 50 years. I don't know. But you only get one. When you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing you can do to make it right. So if you are here tonight and you don't know Jesus and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, You'd like to one day spend eternity with Jesus in that place where there will be perfect peace, endless rest. And you are here tonight and you don't know for certain that you are going to that place. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I want to create an opportunity. I'm just making sure that everyone, and it takes courage. The Bible says if you acknowledge Jesus before men, He will acknowledge you before his father. So you have to acknowledge Jesus before men to actually become a child of God, to become part of the people of God. So just creating an opportunity. If there's anyone tonight in this room who does not have a relationship with Jesus, he died on the cross for your sins. He died the death you should have died. He took upon himself your sin. You don't deserve to go to heaven. He laid down his life. He doesn't he didn't deserve to to die for your sins. But he chose to take your place so that you can have eternal life through his name through faith and believing in him. So if you are here tonight you do not know Jesus and you would like to know Him and you would like to invite Him into your life as your Lord and your Savior. If you would like to become part of the people of God tonight, just with every eye closed, just raise your hand right now in this very moment. I'm the only person looking around. If there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you die now, you are uncertain where you are going. Then I want us, I'm not going to ask for a response tonight. I'm not going to ask for, like, that we're going to pray for each other. But (coughs) let's end off with that chorus. Better is one day, God. As we, with the view of going into a December holiday, going into Christmas, let's keep the main thing, the main thing eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord Jesus, better is one day in your house than thou. So just for a moment, let's just stand. You don't have to come forward. Just stand and let's just worship God as we end this meeting tonight. opportunity, just one last thing I, I realized actually, was something I mentioned earlier, is if there is sin and weight in your life that keeps you away from the rest of God, I'm not going to ask someone to pray for but I do believe a response is necessary. Because that's how God works. He says, come to me. He doesn't say, sit there and I'll just, no, no. God says actually that scripture, come to me. And as a sign of coming to Jesus tonight to let go of weight and sin in your life, just take a bold, crazy step forward and say, God, I'm coming tonight. So the floor is open. Uh, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to ask someone to pray for you. I just want you to come forward and say, God, I'm one of those. I've got weight and stuff that's slowing me down, and I want to run for you. So while we sing this song again, the window is small. Come forward. (laughs) say, what year am I?